Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Stop, Listen, Think. My name is Joana Monteiro, and I'll be with you over the next 15 minutes to share what I know about economics so that more people can understand it and understand what is happening around us. Before we start, I hope everyone is safe and protecting from this pandemic. We are in the beginning of an unprecedented storm, originated on the first place by a serious public health problem, which is causing huge impacts on our economy. Unfortunately, I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but I can talk about what I know about economics. And we will all need to understand well economics and the crisis that is coming to have a better awareness of the impact in our lives and be able to take the best decisions for our future. Economics is everywhere, even if we don't realize it. And it doesn't have to be complicated, too theoretical or boring, as a lot of friends say to me. I'll try to help uncomplicate this subject so that all can understand. Of course, I don't know everything and I don't have the solution to this economic crisis, I wish. But on today's episode, I'd like to make a brief introduction to this world of economics. Okay, so let's start by the beginning. What is economics? One of the first jokes we heard when we started studying economics in university a couple of uh, 10 or 15 years ago uh, was that economics was a sort of meteorology, rarely gets its forecast right, which is not very reassuring or prestigious. But anyway, this also happens because there are a lot of external shocks and surprises which no one expected, as this pandemic, for example. And they come and break all the estimates that were done before. A more academic definition of economics says that it is a social science that studies the behavior of economic agents when using the available resources for production, distribution and consumption of goods and services. Okay, so this is the formal and nice definition. Economics studies the way in which society organizes itself to use the resources it has, workforce, raw materials, capital, etc., to produce and use the goods and services that it needs. And that's where we have the famous laws of supply and demand in economics that will determine the market and the prices and quantities for each good and service. Okay, so let's see some examples of how economics is present in our lives as soon as we wake up in the morning. The thing is, every one of us is an economic agent, whether we know it or not. Let's see. We are all consumers. We buy and use goods and services. We give money to companies in exchange of those goods and services. And with that, we stimulate the production of those companies. In this way, we form the demand for goods and services in the market. And with each acquisition, we are choosing some companies over others, even if we may not be aware of that. 
We determine the levels of imports whenever we prefer to buy international products. We dictate trends and consumption preferences that will be taken into account by companies on the evolution of their products and on innovation. So you can see how this is all interconnected. We are also part of the workforce. We are workers in companies owned by others or in state-owned entities or even in our own company if we have created uh, a company, for example. We are the supply of the labor factor in the labor market, whereas the demand for labor comes from the companies that are hiring. As workers, we can influence the wage level and other benefits, at least partially, uh, through individual negotiation with the company, for example, which is more common on top functions, or through collective work agreements, as it is the case in some sectors like banking in Portugal, or through unions and strikes and claims that they may present, or just by the simple fact that there may be a lack of workers for a given function at some point in time, which leads companies to raise the wage they are willing to pay to attract more workers. The inverse may also be true. In times of abundant labor, for example, when unemployment is high, uh, wages may not rise and they may even decline as the workers already working in a company may lose bargaining power because there are a lot of unemployed people who are available and may be willing to work for that salary or even a lower one. Okay, so this is a bit of the dynamics in the labor market. Other cases of economic agents. If we have savings, we are savers and we can also be investors if we decide to invest those savings in the capital markets and stock exchanges, if we buy shares, for example, and then we will become shareholders of some companies. Or if we buy bonds and we become creditors of a company. Or also if we invest in the real estate market, when we buy a house to rent to others or to sell in the future, hoping to obtain a gain with that sale. And so on. There are several possible options to invest in gold, oil, foreign currencies, cryptocurrencies, art, even luxury uh, watches, etc. So if we are investing, we are entering in some of these markets and influencing them and also feeling the effects of other economic agents that are present there. We are all in interaction. We can also be borrowers when we obtain a loan, for example, a housing loan, consumption credit, or when we use a credit card and we have a debt. We are paying interest to whom lends us money, often depending on the Euribor rate, if our debt is linked to that interest rate, which is set in the interbanking market, where the Euribor is the average interest rate that banks charge each other for the loans they negotiate globally between them in euros. On the other hand, the Euribor is influenced by the interest rates of the European Central Bank. For example, today the level of the interest rates that the ECB charges for the money it lends to commercial banks is historically very low and even negative. And that will reflect in the Euribor, uh, the Euribor rates, which uh, are also currently negative for all maturities. And this is a bit of the money market functioning. 
from the macroeconomic level of the ECB policies, for example, until the microeconomic level of the impact in our pockets as individual borrowers. We can also be creditors when we lend money to someone. For example, in a simple term deposit that we do in the bank, we are lending money to the bank during that period of time. So the bank owes us that amount and we expect to have it back at the end of the agreed maturity. That is, if the bank doesn't go bankrupt. And even in that case, we may be protected with the deposits guarantee fund that icon of trust in the banking system. Uh, another example of economic agents are the political agents. The people working in the government can decide macroeconomic policies to stimulate collectively the economy and some economic agents as consumers, workers, investors, company owners, etc. These are called budgetary policies as they depend on the public budget of the state, of the expenditures that the state can do on one hand and of the taxes it can decide to charge on the other hand. In these policies, we can include the definition of the tax system, the wealth redistribution that is intended with that system, the level of fiscal revenue that is targeted in order to face the public expenditure, the definition of this public expenditure and the public investment, that is where the government wants to spend the money it gets, the setting up of environmental policies, strategic and sectorial policies, etc. Here we would have a lot to talk about, as public economics is a wide and important universe, and it affects all of us, whether we are paying attention to politicians or not. As we are all taxpayers, we will all pay for the taxes decided by the government, or we should pay at least. Uh, whether we are consumers, the VAT, the car tax, etc., or if we are workers, uh, the revenue tax that we pay over salaries, or investors, the revenue tax over dividends or rents received, or gains with the sale of stocks or houses, or even a, a, as company owners, um, and the company will have to pay corporate tax. We can also be beneficiaries of the government policies, for example, when we receive support from Social Security in case of unemployment, sickness leave, maternity, paternity leave, or when we get retired and receive a pension. Or we can also benefit as company owners of financial support in times of big crisis like the one we are living right now. See the package of measures that governments in most countries are announcing with exceptional loans, delays on the payment of taxes, payment of wages in case of uh, layoff, etc. Or also incentives that the government can give to a specific sector, as it was for the solar energy a couple of years ago. Okay, so all these are practical examples that I hope have helped to introduce the basis of economics and the several markets that exist. Uh, the different roles that we may have in the economy and how all this is in permanent interaction to determine the supply and demand and in this way generate the levels of GDP, the gross domestic product and the wealth produced in a country 
which is the monetary measure of all the goods and services produced, or the size of the cake if we want to use this comparison. All right, so now let's talk about crisis. The functioning of the economy that I've just explained may happen in phases of normal activity or be disturbed by external and unexpected shocks, as the one we are living right now with COVID-19, or in the past with the financial crisis of 2008-2009, that may cause a deep recession and economic depression, as we have a negative and sharp adjustment in a lot of markets that leads to a reduction in the GDP, that is, a contraction in the value and quantity of goods and services produced in the economy, or a decrease in the size of that cake that we've talked about. Actually, there's this theory of the business cycles that says that the economy is naturally subject to ups and downs, as in a curve with periods of expansion and growth of the GDP, until it reaches a peak or a maximum, followed by phases of deceleration, contraction of the GDP and depression until it reaches a minimum, to again enter in recovery and growth and so on. So these are fluctuations on the economic activity that a lot of economists consider normal and are caused by adjustments in economic factors of the supply aside and on demand. And in a way, they show that there is no such thing as an unlimited economic growth. That is not possible and has never been seen in history. It cannot grow forever without interruptions. However, what we are living now is not a normal recession. This pandemic is like a tsunami disrupting the economy, caused by an external shock not related to the economy itself. But what to do during these big crises, when there is a massive unemployment, more poverty, a drop in consumption, in production, less investment, when the size of the cake is drastically reduced? This is where governments and central banks have decisive roles to help the economy with measures that try to stabilize the activity and minimize the negative impacts. That's what we are witnessing right now, whether with measures that our government is taking with its budgetary policy to help workers and companies, whether with the monetary policies that central banks can take to stimulate cheap credit to governments and companies. And this will be the subject of the next episodes. But that's it for now. We have run out of the time that I've promised and I hope you liked it. Subscribe the podcast and keep listening to the show. Just to thank my sister and my friends for this great birthday gift, the microphone that I'm using right now to record, it was a great push for me to finally launch this podcast, so thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. See you soon.